Hi, Yoko. Hi, Kate. This is episode 27. Of So Where Are You From? Yay! We did it! We did it. Kate, how are you? Good. I just got back from an awesome vacation in the Southwest. It was great. It was lovely. I went to Zion National Park, and everyone listening to this podcast needs to go to Zion National Park immediately. All at once. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's so beautiful, unreal. And I hiked Angel's Landing, which is like a 1,400-foot change in elevation from bottom to top. And what else did I do? I went to Antelope Canyon. It's that mystical, wispy, winding, smooth rock place that you've seen on your Windows desktop background. The, the red one. The red one, yes. <laughs> All those like red, crazy rocks and that look like waves. That's a real place. That's a real place. It actually exists. I've been there. It is fantastic does it look exactly like in the photos yeah it looks wow. even like better wow yeah so the, po- the photos i feel like often like oversaturate mm. but i mean even still when you're just walking around you're like this is unreal cool yeah and what was the last part oh we did sedona like we were in sedona arizona that was yeah. pretty tight yeah did you also go to vegas I did go to Vegas for a day, so the easiest place to, like, fly out of when you're, like, touring the Southwest to go back to New York, Vegas. Mm. Yeah, so did a little gambling, won $5. Nice. And ate at Panda Express and lived our (laughs) lives. It was great. (laughs) Cool. You're back and you're refreshed. Back and ready for action, Yoko. (sighs) I should go on a vacation. You should go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. What's been up with you, Yoko? Uh, I am performing. <gasps> yes. Uh, in Yoko is a, a couple fantastic weeks. dancer. As, what did you say? I said Yoko is a fantastic dancer. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Very fun to watch. <laughs> oh, thanks. Ah. Um, yeah, I'll be performing in a couple weeks. So we're rehearsing for that. Um, and yeah, you know, I've been, I've just been spending a lot of time thinking about what vacation I'm going to go on and I haven't actually planned anything so now I don't know what's on your list I thought about what it would mean for me to like take a vacation alone uh, a destination vacation where the purpose was to see art Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like what seems like a reasonable uh, itinerary for like maybe a long weekend vacation that I go on solo where the purpose is to see art. And I did some brainstorming. I like looked up some like lists. I was like, Berlin sounds cool. But then I was just like, maybe I should just take three days off and stay in New York and like go to museums in this city Mm -hmm. because there's so many that I haven't been to. And yeah, and then I don't have to pay for a flight or accommodations and maybe I'll just do that so I might do that but yeah I mostly have just been thinking about work and like work has been really busy and exciting but also just like I think I should probably take a vacation soon before I feel like it's too late um yeah aside from that that's it Yoko who Mm -hmm. is your model minority oh my model minority is Kelly Marie Tran Mm -hmm. um you might know her from uh the latest star wars as rose tico Mm -hmm. and i was i remember seeing that movie and just being like oh my god there's an asian person yeah yeah who isn't like now like part of the i guess what you would call canon because Mm -hmm. like rogue one had donnie yen and that other guy whose name i can't remember i'm sorry uh in it but because 
spoiler alert, everybody dies. I'm never going to see these people again, mm -hmm. which sucks because Don Yen's amazing. Uh, but then I was like, oh, there's this new character here who, spoiler alert, doesn't die at the end of this movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it sounds like you might have, like, you might be in the next movie. And I'm just, like, really excited for that. And I just, I literally just read an article, uh, a GQ article where they interview her. And she just talks about, first of all, what I really appreciated about this article is... I guess it can go two ways, but I really like that she doesn't talk about like what it means to be Asian and like be in the movies and represent Asian people. And I'm like, yeah, that's really, I, I like, it, it's really cool that she is in a movie and is an Asian person in a movie, but um, I'm glad that that's not like, I, I imagine that people will get so tired of being asked that all the time. Yep. Um, so what I did like about it is she says, I think a lot of actors, writers, directors, producers might say it's always kind of a fight if you want to tell a story that doesn't fit a, a certain template we've seen before. For me, it's also about making sure that when I tell a story or when I choose projects to align myself with, I'm very careful about the messages they put across, what they're saying about the world in general, about human beings. It took me a while to understand you're defined by what you do, but also by what you say no to. Saying no is so new to me. As a woman, you know, you're taught to just kind of be gracious all the time and accept everything and always say thank you. And there's another layer on top of that if you're, say, born to immigrant parents, whatever your culture is, that can also play a part in how you interact with the world. And it just felt really nice to feel like I share something with somebody and it's not just because we're both Asian women. I mean, there's a part where there, she talks about being a woman, but I'm just like, I think Asian people in particular, or maybe it's just me, like get so hung up on like representing themselves in a certain way as Asian people, as a people. And this just felt like a little bit refreshing that she doesn't really, that it's just not really a, a thing. She might be thinking about it, but I'm glad that it's, I want, I want everything to sort of feel like this. Mm -hmm. Long story. <laughs> I have a hot take about uh, The Last Jedi. Oh, tell me. It's that I am a huge Star Wars fan, and I hated that movie. Oh, I thought that movie was really it boring. Was really bad. Also, if I'm it's gonna like do... a really slow car chase. Yeah, and <laughs> if you want to be real, like critical about it, technically, like Kelly Marie Tran's character and oh my god, what John is Boyega? His name? John Boyega's character didn't accomplish anything. I know. They literally did nothing. Kate and I are like staring really intently at each other. <laughs> they went on this crazy convoluted adventure. For what? Rode these weird animals. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that movie was pretty boring. Yeah. It was. It seemed like a big setup movie. It was for so the next one. Corny. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's an argument to be made for like, oh, we're trying to foster a new generation of people who like Star Wars, and I'm just like. Can you foster them with, like, a little bit of taste? Like, yeah. come on. You can't fake bad art. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hot take accepted. Was not a fan. But not still, fan. Kelly Marie Tran, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for your contribution. You are very important. <laughs> Kate, who's your model minority? My model minority is Kevin Kwan. You might know him as the author oh. of Crazy Rich Asians, China Rich Girlfriend, and Rich People Problems. Mm. So... Do I think these are the greatest literary works of our time? <laughs> no. Do I think they're pithy and enjoyable chiclet that I have consumed while on airplanes? Yes. Am I super excited that it's being made into a movie and the trailer is out and starring Constance Wu? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I 
applaud you, Kevin Kwan, for taking chiclet away from the middle-aged white ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Yeah, because I mean, like, I read Crazy Rich Asians, and I appreciated the sort of, like, fantastical whimsy that it kind of spins for these characters, Mm. especially because as someone that went to a private school attended by a lot of crazy rich Asians, Mm. this kind of paints a little picture of what I might imagine some of their lives might be like, or Mm. because like one of them would like roll up to school in a bright blue Lamborghini. Wow. Just like, what is that like? to be that rich. Wow. Because I'm pretty sure if it wasn't her, she rolled in this crew that like one of the dads was the owner or inventor of like a plastic hinge that apparently is on every appliance that you or I have ever used. Wow. And it's just like money is no object, right? Like those people exist. I have seen them and met them. And I think it was just, it's always just kind of fun to like imagine like what would my life be like if I was just living in this palazzo palace in Mm -hmm. Singapore or something like that or if I don't know I ended up betrothed to someone who I had no idea was that rich but then turned out to be like that's the main premise of the book yeah TLDR (laughs) um but yeah I just think it's like it's fun to have like a kind of like carefree romance novel and movie yeah starring all Asian people. I seriously doubt that they're actually going to make all three books into movies, but I don't know. I'm feeling really good about Constance Wu as Rachel, the main character, and also I'm a huge Aquafina fan, so I'm super excited that Aquafina plays her best friend. Mm -hmm. Good job, Kevin Kwan. I have a hot take about the book. Yeah, I hated that book so much. What did you hate about it? Let's talk about it. I remember writing in my journal. I also read this book on a plane, Uh and I was also writing in my journal on the plane, um, and I remember writing, I cannot believe I'm reading this book. I hate this book so much. I cannot stand Constance Wu's character, Rachel. Rachel. Mm-hmm. Cause she's just like, oh my God, everyone is so rich. Everything is really amazing. And then every time it happens, she's just like, wow, money. Wow. Like fame. And she's just like, she just seems so naive throughout the whole thing. She doesn't catch on to like any of the bullshit that's happening around her. And I was just like, I just found it so frustrating as a reader to like, you wanted her to be smarter. Yeah. She seemed so naive and like her boyfriend is so dumb. Like, sorry. No, I think like, don't be apologetic (laughs) because the boyfriend is dumb because the entire time you're thinking, you're like, how could you not have warned your girlfriend yeah. about like all of these social norms that you have to like conform to, right? Yeah, everyone else rich. in his family seemed to understand like you can't just bring a random girl who doesn't know anything about the life that you live. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, but I love her. And I'm like, ah, That's what stupid, pithy romance novels are, Yoko. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, it was so frustrating. The whole character is supposed to just be dumb and naive and you're just like, yeah, that's like the same character, like, Every single time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So well. I guess I, this is like outing me as like <laughs> as like a person who reads stupid pithy romance novels on oh planes. Oh my gosh! But yes, I have read them. No, I was not surprised. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I think I was surprised. Also, I don't read that many books, so like when I do read books, I kind of want them to be really good. Mm. Um, Did you just read it for the culture? I read it for the culture. Oh, I should. I remember now when the book first came out. I resisted reading it for a long time, not because it was chiclet, 
but because a, a white person recommended it to me. Oh. And I was like... Is that like a white person recommending an Asian restaurant to you? Yeah, kind of. But it was also... what what The added layer on top of it, which made me even more resistant to the book, was the way it was framed was just like, oh, you're Asian, you would love this book. And I'm like, oh, that's oh wow, I really okay. don't want to read this book don't now. Frame it don't like do that. that. Come don't on. Don't do that. I think you would really love this book. I'm like, really? You don't even know what kind of books I like. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about this. So I resisted reading the book for a long time. I decided to read it because I knew the movie was coming out. I hated the book, but I still am pretty excited for the movie because Constance Wu is in it. Mm-hmm. And Constance Wu is a no bullshit kind of person when it comes to Asian representation. So I hope that she. She just seems like less naive of a person than the character she's going to play. So I hope they bring a little bit of that into the movie. But I is that hoping too much? It. I think no, it is going. No, <laughs> I seriously think that the movie is going to be just as cheesy and romantic as the book. Oh, yeah. I want to see Constance Wu as like a strong person who like doesn't take any shit from anybody. But yeah. I guess that's also like a high expectation for a person who's acting as somebody else. Right. I mean, maybe they changed the character a little bit to sort of, like, modify based on, like, the actress playing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. I'm just going to go into it with, like, no expectations. I'm not going to be, like, a parent and be like, this has to be an A-plus right off the gate. This is our only chance. It's like, nah, I think, like, I think it'll be fun. So, Yoko. So, Kate. Tell us about our guest. Our guest um, is Fei Lu. She, this interview happened a little while ago, um, but she and I know each other from college where we both studied design. She's part of like the crew of designer, design majors who are like actually into design. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of folks who were like, UCLA was like a really liberal, like the, it wasn't a conservatory the way like Art Center yeah. was a design school. Um, and but Faye and like she rolled with like a group of people who always just seemed to be really interested in like pushing design and technology mm-hmm. um, and just like what that meant for art. Uh, and I always looked up to her for that reason and later learned that she lived in New York and now she is an artist in residence or a researcher in residence at the New Inc. Um, yeah, we talked about uh, what it was like moving from Harbin, which is where she was born. Uh, to Cupertino. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was really fascinated by her perception of Americanness as being Asian American Mm -hmm. as opposed to like Americanness being white. I think for that, for whiteness to her was like completely foreign, but like as a person who was coming to the States from China, like her idea of American was like somebody like maybe you or me. Damn. Yeah, which is kind of really interesting. And yeah, she she's an artist uh, who sort of interfaces with activists a lot. Let me talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, Faye. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Let's get into it. So today on the podcast, we have Faye Liu. Hi. Hi. Hey. Faye is a designer artist. Uh, writer and a DJ and also hosts a podcast of her own. You are a researcher in residence at New Inc., which is an incubator run by the New Museum. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know, really know what that means, so we're going to get into that. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, but first, we have yeah. to ask you a very important question. Where am I from? Yes. <laughs> How did you know? How did you know? <laughs> a little bird told me. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, where am I from? I don't know how people answer this question, but it's just answer so it as honestly as yeah. you would to people who give a shit. Yeah, to people who, who actually who give a shit. Right. Yeah. Not like not trying Uber to pick driver. me up. Right. Not <laughs> trying to pick okay. you up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm from the north of China. Um, it's an area that was founded by like Russians and Mongolians. Um, and during the late 1800s, it was like Paris of the East because it was super like multicultural. Mm. Um, a lot of actually Japanese and Jewish people living there before the war. <clears throat> Um, and what is this place called? It's called Harbin. Oh, Harbin. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. My friend John's from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, when did you come to the States? Uh, when I was six to California. Dope. What part of California? Cupertino. Hey, the Tino. I love that. The Tino. (laughs) No, but Cupertino High School, they, they call it Tino. Oh. Yeah. But no, I, I hate Cupertino. Oh, <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah, I, I have I mean, like trauma from it. I think. Really? Yeah. How, how so? Can you elaborate? Yeah, this on is that? podcast material. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, okay, so I was super fobby, you know, for like a bit. Um, what do you mean? Like, how would you describe like fobby? English? Like, I didn't know any English. I was in like ESL for two years. Mm-hmm. I had like Coke Coke bottle glasses. Mm-hmm. I had a bowl cut. You know, that would be so cool right now. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. That's true. That's true. Just like scale mini me up a little bit. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I was super fobby and like I wanted to be like all the popular Asian American kids that like had FUBU, mm-hmm. the big FUBU jackets, yep. um, who were Hip-hop. wearing like K-Swiss, yep. you know, Tommy Hilfiger um, overalls, stuff like that. But Dang. I was like, Mom, I want a puffy jacket because everyone has puffy jackets. Yes. And she's like, okay, let's go to the store, like, in, in, you know, like a wet seal type place. <laughs> <laughs> and she bought, like, it was, like, a little bit puffy. It was, like, puffier than a windbreaker. Oh, you know? dang. You know? And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's, like, all the puffiness we can afford <laughs> right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, we shopped at Goodwill, but my mom was like, don't tell people that you shop at Goodwill. Like, you know, stuff like that. There was a high peak, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we actually lived in Cupertino, before we were in Santa Clara. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But, like, the high peak fell, mm-hmm. you know, like everyone did after the recession. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I really didn't like about Cupertino was, like, all the Asian Americans were, like, the cool ones, like, living in gated communities, mm-hmm. um, rice rockets, you know, mm-hmm. have to drive over the speed bump diagonally so AZNs. you don't scrape it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, AP, Asian Pride, KP, oh, Korean yeah. Pride, like, all of that, right? It was, like, heavy. Um, and I was like, I'm really fobby, like, I don't fit in. So then, like, I, I went through this, like, goth phase, this, like, fobby goth phase, um, and then, yeah. So that's, like, that was my trauma, kind Dang. of. It's like the Asians didn't accept me. Gotcha, you know? right. Asian yeah. Americans. Yeah, and, like, all the white people were, like, cheer- cheerleaders, basically. And they were, like... Not of, not for you, just cheerleaders, like... No, no, like, school at school. At school, yeah, exactly, <laughs> okay. exactly. Oh, um, no. So, I don't know, it's whatever. I don't really care. Did, did you, who... Jenny Jones, Geek to Chic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Who did you like? Who did you hang with when you were when you were in high school? school? Yeah, like who were the people that you felt close to? Yeah, I was with a bunch of like really Christian people. Like we we were all nerdy and really liked anime, and that was the thing. Oh, okay. We handed around this notebook where we like would draw panels to like the same comic. You know, I did that with my friends too. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean like they're really great people, but like obviously I'm not Christian, Um, and so there was like a bit of like. I was like, I want to bleach my hair. And they're like, no, don't bleach your hair. Like, God gave you your hair. Oh, wow. And, you know, wow. it, like, I, I appreciate the sentiment that they were, like, trying to watch out for me. But it was like, I don't know. It, didn't it really. seems mis- not misguided, but, like, yeah, the, the 
the root cause might have been. But, okay, wait, so you fell into this, like, group of, like, churchy kids. Were yeah. they also Asian? Church yeah. Asians? Yeah, like, mostly Taiwanese-American, mm-hmm. um, or, like, immigrated around the same time from Taiwan. And so mm-hmm. there was also a divide there, because I'm from the mainland, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, like, Taiwan, mainland, like, even the, like, the Chinese accent is super different. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of, like, irritated by, like, the Taiwanese Chinese accent because I'm from the mainland, you know, yeah. um, not because of like political reasons, but I was just like, God, like y'all sound so valley, you know, <laughs> it's like the valley equivalent. Um, there's like, yeah, cause they're an island effect, people, you know? Right? Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God, you guys sound so chill all the time. <laughs> yeah. There's something, there's something about that. Um, I don't know. It was like, they were trying to connect more with their Taiwanese roots, I think. Um, mm-hmm. so there were a lot of like, there's obviously tons of East Asians like at Cupertino, but a lot of like fobby kids who also came from Taiwan and they were the cool fobby kids. So the fobby mainland kids were not cool. Oh my you gosh. Know? There's so many ways you can slice this. I know. It's, like, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. So much othering. So yeah. much othering. Oh, guys, yeah. get along. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kids from the past. Right. <laughs> um, so talk to us about like college. Like what came after Cupertino? We're yeah. trying to get as far away from that as possible. I think, yeah. I, I did. I I didn't really have, like, any other, like, I didn't have friends of many other races, like, when I was in high school, um, and I, I had an English name in high school. What? Really? I didn't know that. Did you choose it? I chose it. Okay. I chose it at nine. Mm -hmm. It's a name from the Babysitter's Club. I don't remember any names. Same. (laughs) Okay, so... It was Christy. Christy. Because she was like the tomboy one and like whatever. Um, so yeah, I was I was a Christy. Did your parents call you Christy? Did they know that you went by Christy? No, they I mean like they just I don't remember what they called me. I think they called me still by my Chinese name. Oh, I see. Um but then I, I went to college and I was like, no, fuck the fuck this person. I don't even know who you are, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm Faye again. Like <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna make it mean something. So after undergrad I was like well everyone's like gonna find jobs and like I don't know what to do so I I went into like the art publication business um and like of course no one makes money off of print you know (laughs) ever anymore still (laughs) um and so we're like okay like let's be web right just let's be on the web um and so that's where I was like okay I can be kind of this like designer developer type of person um but I was like I'm not making any money and so I was like I'm just gonna move to China like why not um and so like, I have relatives there, mm-hmm. um, and so I moved there and lived there for two years. I didn't um, know you moved back to China. Yeah, I, went, I lived in Beijing for two years. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, from 2010 to 2012. Oh. Um, and I did a lot of freelancing. I, The last six months of me being there, like, um, our whole team from this company got laid off, and they're like, we'll, we'll pay you two months, though, still. So I was just, like, coasting. Nice. I, like, didn't work, but I ate for like a dollar a day, you know? Oh so it was God. fine. It was fine. <laughs> um, and I traveled a bunch and like, I think that was, I was like, wow, the world's so fucked. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this so much before in LA. Cause you know, we just got out of school. Like everyone's, you know, young and stupid basically. Um, <laughs> youthfully optimistic. <laughs> youthfully optimistic. Yeah. But you know, like moving to China and all, like all that really opened my eyes and I got to travel a lot cause China's like closer to other countries than the America, America mm-hmm. is, right? Um, and so I was like, okay, but I want, like, I don't think I'm going to do what I want career-wise, but I didn't know what I want. But, like, I was like, it's not going to be in China, though. Mm-hmm. And so I only applied to Parsons because I was like, everyone goes to ITP. And I was like, I don't want to go to ITP. <laughs> um, <laughs> ITP is the NYU program, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I only applied to Parsons, and I got in. And, like, I feel like some of the 
political interest that I had like developed in China was like able to be translated through this program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I, I really started to understand like what sorts of problems in the world I was like interested in. Um, but of course, like, you know, after grad school, you're like, fuck, I need a job. Right. <laughs> so I like immediately go down that route. But then, um, a year ago, I quit the job. But to connect that to, to New Inc., so we're re- like researchers and residents is this new thing that they're trying at New Inc., um, which is kind of an artist residency and like business incubator. Um, but it just means that we work with a subject matter that I think the space wants to explore. Because the space, mm-hmm. like, I think they're trying to do things that are like more community outreach, um, more politically aware not just like VR projects, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why they brought us on board because like we worked on this um, sort of economic simulation um, about based on New York census data. Who's we? Uh, me and Francis. So oh. like we're collaborators. Um, we worked on this project for a month at another residency. Um, and then actually just on Twitter, we're like, oh, we did this. Um, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like maybe you'd be interested in having this position here. So it's... It's actually, it's, it's weird. It's a little bit misleading because we, we like pay a little bit to be there. Mm-hmm. It's still like a co-working space, you know? Mm-hmm. I see. So it's subsidized. Um, but that just means like we have a place to meet and we have a place to invite people to come and hold meetings or have talks and panels and things like that. Cool. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, that census data project? The project is a um, computer simulation of fake New Yorkers based on the New York census data, the the ACS, American Community Survey, Um, and it was like 10 years worth of data. And Mm so what we did was extrapolate basically the relationships between people's socioeconomic status um, and their race and their education levels, like just demographic data. Um, And we made it into a game kind of where, so like, you know, your your city is full of people, right? Um, And there's different industries. And if, um, if there's like a zombie virus or if there's only Soylent, like what, how would it affect the city? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not, it's like a little bit faux scientific, you know, but sure. it's to right. illustrate that like there's many layers on a city, you know, that we can't really see. Um, and to kind of represent that, like the city is full of inequalities. So we can see that like in, in the data viz. So it's, it's like a data viz plus plus because it's a simulation. Wow. Um, lots of machine learning, which I don't fully understand, but it happens. That's wild. <laughs> what sorts of like, we, I'm guessing like you kind of went into this project being like, let's see what happens. And exactly. then like, did, did you like go in and like you see some of this data like become, or visualize, see this data become visualized and you're like, oh shit, we're like fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean like the, the economic connections, like I think we did just based on like normal economic theory like supply demand and stuff like that which I I also fully don't understand still (laughs) but um that part isn't isn't like a true science or anything but I think the thing that was interesting from it is that like people when they saw it were like oh we can like show this to policymakers you know Mm -hmm. like in order to predict before you enact a policy how the policy would affect people yeah to test it you know in a simulated environment and like that would be great but obviously it's very hard to get into that level of the government um and there's like a big 
digital divide between like a bureaucracy, like a nonprofit, right. you know, and just like two people who are not scientists. Right. Um, so I think, so we also got connected to a Brazilian researcher who used a simulation to prove um, some things with like a Brazilian economic plan. And so he was really interested in it. And actually we like co-authored an academic paper, but it wasn't accepted because they're like, it's not scientific enough. Oh, um, but, but that's what's interesting about the project because it's between speculative play and like real science. Yeah. So I think if anything, it's like an avenue for people to explore who actually have a scientific background to make something, to make data more accessible and more participatory, right? So if you're able to tweak the knobs and see what happens and how things change, then you're not just, you know, you're, you're part of it, right? right. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Yeah, I feel like that breaks <laughs> down a lot of walls between um, people and sort of like demographics that they don't really understand or have yeah. any exposure to. Right. Yeah. They have this program, Idea City, um, and they're doing it again in New York. So the first one was a few years ago, but it's basically inviting people that work in architecture, urban planning, artists and activists to kind of share ideas about what future cities would be like. Mm -hmm. um, so we did that program in Athens. And that was really interesting because um, obviously there's the refugee crisis, there's the financial crisis. Um, and it, it was a bit, it's a bit strange to be like a group of artists being like led around mm -hmm. in, a, in a bus, <laughs> you know? Like we went to two um, refugee centers. Mm -hmm. One of them was like totally squatted basically. Um, what does that mean? That means like they don't pay rent. Oh, I see. Or like someone's um, rent had lapsed and they just like came in and took it. Took oh, the space. I see. Oh. So they're legally not allowed to be there, but also no one can kick, kick them, them out because yeah. it's like you have children that are like refugees in there. Um, so we went to one that was like official and then one that was like like that. Um, and I don't know, it's just weird for us to come in as a swarm and it's like, yes, tell us what you do every day, like very difficult stuff, you know, but I, I also understand there's no other way to do it. Like if you if you actually want if you want artists to see what it's like, you know, and you don't have that much time and you want to get a group of people, like you can only do it for a week, you know, mm -hmm. you can only pay this much money for an artist stipend. And like, you can only, you know, th there's, there's certain things that with a program like this, like that just happen. And like, even though for us, it's, it's a bit weird. I feel like from a programming perspective, like that's all that you can do. Hmm. Cause like, we felt like we were like airdropped right down there, airlift, whatever. And then it's like, Oh, you got some information. Okay. Bye. Like, wow. yeah, and that happens, that happens like everywhere. Um, and this is not really a critique to the program. It's just the way that it is, I think right now, like, yeah. like there's I'm, like in the design world too, it would be like, let's have a hackathon for 48 hours, you know, and like, let's solve these people's problems, but you don't know like anything about them actually. Right. But I don't know. Dang. So why don't you tell us about, uh, your podcast and like what you guys talk yeah. about or yeah. Um, what that subject matter is. Yeah, totally. So try to be good is the name of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And, but I guess the, the, the words obviously was actually about me feeling like insecure about like whether or not I was a good designer. So it's like, I was trying to be a good designer, but like never knowing if I would ever make it there, mm -hmm. you know, cause like we were just graduating and whatever. It's complicated. Um, but now I feel like because I've used it for the podcast, it's like taken on a different meaning, like good as in like civically good or socially good. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think what I want to do is like marry aesthetic and art and egotism, narcissism, whatever it is, right? That like makes artists do what they do and like civic engagement. Mm -hmm. um, 
and like whatever that looks like. The podcast is me just like also interviewing my friends, but um, I feel like through it, I've been meeting more people like who are active in social justice mm -hmm. um, because it'd be like, oh yeah, if they talk to this person, like why don't you talk to that person too? Um, and I, I've realized that like more people than you expect are like doing things in like little ways, you know, and actually they're trying to formulate a plan, you know, mm -hmm. they're trying to make a framework that is, um, that can be passed on to somebody else, you know, or that like someone, more than one person could benefit from. I feel like I've been able to have really good discussions with like different people. So for example, so there's a researcher, uh, Diane, who collaborated with a, a like a fifth generation owner of a Chinatown shop mm -hmm. um, and they are doing this like kind of I guess ethnographic anthropological study about like Chinatowns all over nice. the US yeah. um, to see like what the tactics are to resist gentrification mm -hmm. and um, and I don't think it's like I only want to talk to people who do activism mm -hmm. work and I guess I'm also I'm like always questioning like my own privilege um, in the sense that like I grew up in the Bay Area I grew up next to Apple you know like right. what does that mean for, for me and like my future and like what kind of values will I be instilling with like my to my collaborators and like my progeny if there if there are any ever <laughs> where does this sense of like civic responsibility kind of come from like your personal you yeah. personally I mean a lot of it is like from my friends as well like after the elections of course we were like what can we do you know like all of us were talking about that people getting together and like trying to organize to do something like that has changed now like it's yeah. ebbed a little bit, but I think it's because everyone's trying to figure out in a sustainable way what to do instead right. of just like getting a bunch of random strangers together to talk about how you feel, which is like basically the healing process for like a month after the election. Right. Totally. Yeah. I remember like after the elections, there was so much activity about mm -hmm. around like what can be done? Yeah. Like what can we do now? Like yeah. how do we like get over yeah. this? But or the like... truth is that there's nothing, there's nothing to do at that moment except to get together and talk, I think. Hmm. Because, yeah. because you don't know, like all of us, like most of us don't know what it's like to be civically active. Like we haven't yeah. carved out that space in our life. Like right. work-life balance, that's already fucking hard. And like, I think it would be pompous for someone to be like, okay, I got the solutions. Like I've never done this before. It's What's going to happen now? Yeah, it's like, right. no, it takes time and that's okay. I don't know. That's just, sorry. Got my no, little I get heated. it. Don't be sorry. No, I love, I love the idea that like people are trying to find this sustainable way of like being active and yeah. trying to create change, not in like a like a bang kind of way yeah. but in a, in a more like slow burn yeah way. yeah because there's a thing in um like social justice work like there's different um concepts but one of them is called accompaniment so you have to shadow whoever you're trying to help right mm -hmm. like um a local organization is trying to change something you can't be like hey i'm academically trained in this like let me come in and tell you how to do it you just have to shut up and like follow them around mm -hmm. and build trust that way and and i don't work right now officially for an, for anybody and so I think I was like I'm gonna work less to try to do more mm -hmm. specifically because I think that I can still somehow support myself um, with this balance um, and until that doesn't work like I'm just gonna keep trying to do that. That's great, that's noble. <laughs> that is not what a lot of other people would do when they're not working. You know? <laughs> and I think I'm also a little bit like financially short-sighted. I'm not trying to save to buy a house Right. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna have kids, mm -hmm. so I'm like kind of living for the present right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, that might bite me in the ass later. But where, where, what is the support system like for for folks who are really just trying to like live in the present? Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do you deal with that when everyone else 
isn't doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I guess a lot of people around me are doing what I'm doing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I mean, also with Silent Barn, it's like people who have certain skills, but they're not in the tech sector. You know, um, they're not making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like every day is just like getting by a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Silent Barn and like many different DIY community spaces are always facing getting evicted or like right. the, the condos coming in. Right? Yeah. Um, and so Silent Bar now just got a, like, so they're, they're a nonprofit now. And so they can get government grants and stuff. But before that, it was always like, we're going to last another month, you know? Um, wow. mm-hmm. um, and so it's really interesting to see how big groups of people work together in like a structured, but like not overly structured way. And everything's based on like volunteering and, and so, so I, I really like being around that. Um, this is a little bit personal, but I don't mind talking about it um, or it being on the air because I think it's it's kind of crucial to how I'm thinking about things right now is like my parents are split up and mm-hmm. both of them don't really make any money, but they're not retired, right? So they're in this left out of the digital divide area, oh, you know? Right. Um, and I'm like, I want to do things to help other people, but like, I should probably help my family first. Do you send money at home? I'm starting to now, or like I'm gonna make a savings account. But that's the thing is kind of like, this is also new for me. Like I hadn't done that before, you know? But I think it took me coming up with a project to like help other people to be like, oh shit, like my family. Like what about my family, you know? And it's kind of weird that we all, I mean maybe me more than some other people, but like live in this space where our support system is our friends yeah. and like people we do projects with and not so much the family. Right. And so what place does the family have? Yeah. Um, and I think especially there's like a, there's like a tension. It's not to say that this isn't the case for other communities, but I feel like especially in Asian communities, the idea of like family first yeah. is like really prevalent. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot, I feel like there's so much tension, especially when you grow up in the United States against that. Yeah. I was yeah. reading an article yeah. about how like your caretaker, like how like your family isn't necessarily like, yes, they raised you, but like, you're not beholden. Yeah. Like, sure. It's great if they're, if you feel like a connection to your kin or like your ancestry and like you want to create a community out of that. But yeah. like, that the feeling of obligation and that feeling of pressure around that is just like, is it worth it to you? Mm. And sometimes it's not. It's super individualistic in America. Like we don't have, we don't have that structure anymore. Just trying to figure it out, like Mm -hmm, what it means and people getting older and yeah. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine was telling me, he was just like, you know, I'm a fourth generation and my parents are third generation. Mm -hmm. So they both work for the government. They both have pensions and, uh, he used to work with us and he said, my parents don't have a pension. They don't have a retirement plan. I am the retirement plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that was like, um, that's something that made me think of my parents and my grandparents Mm -hmm. on my mother's side, Mm -hmm. which is the the same thing. Yeah. It sounds like that's kind of like what you're going through a little bit. It's like, Hey, like, even though there's no like explicit, like someone telling you, I need you to take care of me or this is like what's in there. Like you kind of see it happening and you kind of like understand this weird, yeah. This weird thing that you're just like, I, even though no one has to say it to me, it's like expected, right? It's just unwritten or like, even if it's not expected, like there's something to feel guilty about, yeah. right? Filial piety. Yeah, so totally. Real. I mean, I, I mean, I had a conversation with my dad, like about a lot of different stuff and it was like a long conversation, but I mean, he did say, he was like, 
It'd be great if you could send me money. But if you can't, I understand. But it would be great if you could send me money. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, from an American person's perspective, like, that's... That sounds a little weird. That sounds a little weird. Like, you know, but he's not American. And I guess I'm not really either. And so, like, yeah, whatever. Do you not feel American? I don't know. I'm confused. Okay. I mean, that that's also fine. I think lots of people feel confused about yeah. their nationality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I guess for me, lately, it's about like coming back to the language. Um, I'm also part of this group called Sino Solidarity. We want to make an event or a school called the Alternative Chinese School. Um, so it's like a semi-political and more creatively uh, focused way to teach Chinese to people of any ages. Um, cool. So we were thinking like high schoolers at first because we all had this like traumatic Chinese school experience, like Japan- Japanese school, right? <laughs> yeah, I know that. But I feel like <laughs> Japanese school is like probably cooler than Chinese school. I don't know. Why? It's hard. It's know. hard for me to imagine. Just aesthetically, maybe. Language no. school, I think, is like just a, shitty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shitty for everyone. Right. Parents. Yeah. Or maybe do it. I don't know. I wouldn't know Japanese if I didn't go. That's yeah. So it's there's hard. there's that. Yeah. yeah. There's a trauma there. Right. <laughs> there's there's trauma either way. I yeah. Feel like. I guess so. I guess can't, so. Can't escape it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Can you imagine opening up a trauma-free language school? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be. You heard it here it. first. It's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Wait, that's like fun. That's like Kickstarter. <laughs> that's a tagline. Trauma free. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Who? Yeah. Who didn't go to language school and without experience? Wait, did you go trauma? to language school no, too? Oh, okay. No, too far removed. Oh, really? did you? Yeah. Did you wish you did? Yeah, I tell my mom that all the time. But yeah. I think it's just like if you don't get it at home, then it kind of doesn't really mean mm. as much to you. Right. Is yeah. it because your parents like? third generation so my mom's fluent um but my dad doesn't speak a word so i think that the key factor in sending a kid to language school is like both parents speaking Mm -hmm. the language at home and like getting it reinforced in that way but they're both japanese correct Mm -hmm. did your mom go to weekend school yeah dog i mean it's like japanese school same thing where it's just like you learn all the same subjects in japanese but my mom was saying that they would like make them like math yeah like math in japanese oh yeah oh really science yeah history oh Mm -hmm. crazy ours was just like Read just language. Read stories from this book of proverbs. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> that seems a little more like close to the thing that you actually want to do, which is like retain the language. But you it's know? so it's it's such propaganda though. Oh you know? my gosh. Like Chinese right, values, Confucian values. Like damn. damn. Yeah. Oh shit, that's real. That yeah. is real. I really oh know. It's terrible. Mm. Holy shit. Yeah. I feel like this is a good point to transition into how Asian are you? Oh, I feel like okay. the answer is Asian. I don't know. Is it zero to Asian? Or like, no, it's just know. sort of like a bunch of rando questions. Okay, cool. See where you nut out. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think I'm pretty Asian, but. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, we'll challenge that. Has anyone ever called you whitewashed? Call me a banana. A banana. Which oh, is whitewashed. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's happened. And what was the context of that? Like, why? What makes somebody a banana? Um, I was on a train in China, and they were like, oh, you... Someone in China called you a banana? Uh, yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, huh. I think so. I forget. I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. I was, like, 13 or something. But, you know, you can tell. It's pretty obvious. Like, like I dress foreign in mm-hmm. a sense that it's not, like, full of Mickey Mouse studded yeah. diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're like, oh, you must be American. Like huh. one of these um, sea turtles. 
like returning back to the land from oh yeah. Yo. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting term yeah it, it's both it's both like literally return to return from the ocean oh. and like when you say it it's written like return from the ocean but when you say it it, it sounds, sounds like, like sea turtle oh wow yeah. in, like the character in chinese yeah gotcha yeah. Yeah. it's so that's interesting that like Someone called you banana. Quote, whitewashed yeah. banana in China. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't oh, know how gosh. I knew about this term, but but I was like, yeah, I accept it. Like, cause I, I am comparatively, mm-hmm. you know. That's Yoko, has anyone ever called you whitewashed? I mean, I this is really embarrassing, but there is a point in my life where you know how some people are like, oh my god, you're basically white. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I would. I don't think I ever like said that explicitly about myself, but like there was a point in my life where like I. Uh, perceived normalcy to be white mm. and like in, 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 in that's a, not embarrassing well it's embarrassing to think about now because like I, I resist that so much or like I mm. want to resist that a lot yeah, sure. but like that was something that I aspired to yeah. be I probably said that as late as college like that's really mm. it's like kind of embarrassing to I don't remember if anyone called me that but I remember thinking about that of yeah. myself mm. when I was I don't in, like that yeah. anymore yeah I mean it's we we're like I think we're actively trying to um make up for the past sure sense um but my perceived whiteness at that time was like the asian american right our pre-absorbed whiteness because i was i didn't like care about the white people they were just totally different you know yeah but i was like okay i'm gonna aspire to be like an asian american Mm -hmm. that was my whiteness wow Yeah. yeah yeah see so I feel like when someone called me whitewashed, it was because I wasn't listening to hip hop. I was listening to like oh. white people music. Oh, yeah. Like, like rock or? Yeah, like yeah. rock or like, for example, like I went through a little bit of an emo phase. Yeah. Like Chester. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, Chester Bennington. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Ch- Lincoln Park means so much to so many <laughs> Asian Americans because they yeah. had two Asian American yeah. people in that band. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It, that was like the one and only like, rock band mm-hmm. that was acceptable because they also oh. had a rapper and oh. he was Asian. You know what I mean? It was just like, I didn't oh. understand how like, um, listening to hip hop and like espousing things that are very much like black culture yeah. was yeah. not being whitewashed. Right, right, right. right, like right. That, and it was always Asian people that were yeah. calling me white. Wait, where are you from again? I'm from West LA. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why did yeah. you whisper? West LA. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just like my friends who were in Torrance, which is like a much more predominantly right. Japanese. Asian, Japanese, yeah. Yeah, neighborhood yeah. that would like call me whitewashed, and oh, it would be like kind of a joke. But I'm just like, oh my god, just because yeah. I get boba every weekend with right. you guys. Yo, realness for real yeah. though. Oh my gosh. R.I.P. Chester. I got another. How Asian are you? Okay. Question. Good. Have you ever took a white person to a foreign country? To China? No. No. Wait, I've been with a white person in China. And are you the de facto translator? Yes. Although sometimes, okay, because there's many dialects in China, right? Mm-hmm. So I have, um, I'm like standardized Chinese, mm-hmm. um, which means I have a hard time understanding other dialects. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening for the standardized dialect, right? So my friends who are like white, who aren't fluent, can understand better because they're more open-minded and, oh, and they're listening. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like right. they've understood things that I didn't understand because I think they, they read body cues mm-hmm. and intonation in the way that I don't because I'm just hearing for the actual words mm-hmm. yeah so that was a really interesting experience mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like I had a similar experience where one of my bosses who is not American has a better like t- like has an easier time understanding accents like mm. sometimes like if if I hear heavily accented English like I will be like I don't know what you yeah. said 
But like yeah. Yeah. my boss, who's what, like she was just able to sort of, I don't know, to yeah. her, it just yeah. sounded like English. Right. Right. Yeah. Which so I think weird. is really interesting. Yeah. And like, we've become kind of used to a certain thing. And so less perceptive maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've never brought a like a white person to a foreign country, but I bought a not Japanese person to mm-hmm. a Japanese country, right. and I was definitely de facto translator. But it was also because I felt I felt obligated to be showing that person around. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it exhausting for you? Uh, I mean, okay, so it was Kevin who was my partner, so it was like really easy. <laughs> right. Right. And also, Kevin. Kevin is also really good at picking up like yeah. body language and mm-hmm. intonation and. He, like, he basically can, like, communicate with my parents in Japanese sometimes. I'm mm. like, how did you do that? He's yeah. like, I don't really know. Like, I don't know the words that they said, but I, it sounded like they wanted me to eat this, so I yeah, did yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right, 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 right. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't experienced that, although I do feel like if we ever got to the point where, like, we take, we go to Japan, like, with his family, like, I would feel like the translator. Mm. But I don't think, it's not... I feel like there isn't. It's not going to be as hard of a time as if I were bringing someone who's not Asian or not. Yeah. Like, oh wait, no, I did do it. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. Tell us all about Tell us. it. Yeah. I was like, it was so annoying. I was, it was so, so annoying. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I was so annoyed. Like, what were the things that you were being? Do you think that there was like a demand to need to know what was happening all the time? Yeah, that, and then also just things that weren't translatable, or not worth translating. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, what's happening, what's happening? It's like, nothing. Just sit there and relax. Like, it doesn't <laughs> affect you. Yeah. Um, or things like, don't bring your beer bottle into the taxi. Like, it seems like people don't understand, and therefore you can do whatever you want, but you can't. Like, yeah. sorry, that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I never thought of it as in terms of like, oh, people will think that I, like, I get a pass because I don't look like I belong here, or yeah. like, I don't know the rules, right. or like, I yeah, don't know if, tell, if people yeah. tell me I can't do these things, right. so I can just do these things. Yeah, people do it all the time anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And um, I think there, it's kind of... It's an immunity, right? Like a yeah. tourist immunity. And I try not to travel like that. Yeah. But sometimes it happens still. That's yeah. the most annoying yeah. thing. My brother was telling me about his childhood friend that went to go visit him in Japan. Mm-hmm. And this dude was doing things like jumping over train turnstiles. Oh, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, just like being drunk in the street and acting a fool. And Oh my god, yeah. no, don't do that. Exactly. Especially in Japan. Like, oh, exactly. But he was just yeah. like, what? It doesn't say anywhere that we can't do this. Right. So let's do it. And I was like, yeah. oh you can't read. God, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But also I feel like in the States, it's always like, don't do this. Don't do this. That's right. true. Don't you dare do this. Like, don't come near this cliff. You're going to fall off. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. 50 feet. It's like people, we can't, we can't have our own judgment. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Other countries are smarter than us and therefore you get to act and do all this fuck shit. Like, right. Really? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. We're, um, Kevin and I are planning on traveling to Iceland and uh, mm. we were just like reading up on like what not to what to do what not to do like what are some reasonable things to expect and like it said things like don't go so close to a cliff because there aren't any signs like there are in America (laughs) like in America if there's a cliff there's going to be a fence and a sign and like in Iceland it's just like don't walk near the cliff because you you should just know better you should just know better (laughs) if you fall off it's your goddamn fault yeah yeah my friend was telling me about this like in when I was in Germany like, she listens to the American radio station, mm-hmm. um, and I guess, like, even that station has a bunch of these, like, don't do this, don't do that, this is happening, like, beware of this, um, oh whereas, like, in Germany, there isn't, really, yeah. because people know better. That and there's just not as much of a sue-happy culture. Like, right. the reason why we have all these don't do this, don't do that yeah. is because, like, people right. will get sued. Right, yeah. Like, hot coffee cups out of McDonald's. Yeah! yeah. 
Caution contains hot right. liquid. Right. I oh hate America. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Damn. Wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> my God. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Where can people find you or your work on the internet? Um, you can find me at trytobegood.com. And you can find my podcast at medium.com backslash try to be good. One word. Thank you so much. This yeah. is really fun. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Yay. Bye. Bye. Peace sign. <laughs> so we got two listener emails. Thanks for writing us. I, should we read them? Let's read them. Yeah. So this one comes from Lena Marshall. Hi there. I'm a new listener, and I've been bouncing all around with the episodes, and so far, I haven't heard anything about interracial couples and dating. Could this be a topic that's discussed? I'm half Vietnamese, half American slash white. I grew up in a very white home, so when I went to school, being around mostly white people, I guess I just felt more white? Does that even make sense? I met my current boyfriend, who is white, five years ago, when we were just 19 or 20. He never treated me like I was quote-unquote exotic, because I do look a little Asian, just dark hair in the eyes, and never pointed out anything that was super Asian about me, except for the dishwasher, how I use it as a drying rack, like every other Asian. He doesn't understand why I don't want to use it. It would make my life so much easier. Let's be real, it's more of a sanitizer than a washer. No, I never thought of a dishwasher as a sanitizer. I think I only thought of it as a dish rack. <laughs> Oh my god, your family didn't use the dish ra- dishwasher either? My parents used the dishwasher. Okay. But I feel like I never use the dishwasher as a dishwasher. Damn. Do All you right. use the dishwasher? Dude, my family needed to use the dishwasher because we had people over all the time i don't know how y'all who grew up in these asian families that like entertain 20 plus people don't use that dishwasher because when you have company oh my god it is a godsend yeah i feel like on a day-to-day basis we didn't really but now like now that i only go home to like eat dinner and like usually kevin's there there's like a lot of dishes that's when the dishwasher gets used but otherwise like I made a sign. I remember as a kid, I made a sign for the dishwasher that's like, it's clean or it's not clean. And like, sometimes there's dishes in there and they're just clean because we washed them already. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, We got a little bit more. Anyway, in the beginning of our relationship, it was very typical. Two young kids in love. Now here we are at 24 and 25, and I'm starting to think about our future and my culture slash race has been weighing on my thoughts and decisions for our future. I never thought it would be an issue because I grew up very American. But now I ask myself, how will we raise our children? Will they have American names or will they be something like Anna or Brian where it passes as Asian American? Will they learn Vietnamese? We've discussed this some and he just doesn't really have an opinion on it because he views me as white and not Asian American. I don't cook Vietnamese dishes. I don't speak at home unless I'm using it to insult him and don't want him to know. And I guess he just doesn't think it's a big deal. But because he isn't biracial, he doesn't understand why these thoughts would creep up. So I'm just wondering what you think about this and what others might think or feel about this topic. First of all, thank you so much for writing in, Lena. That is fantastic. And I feel like I can weigh in on this as someone who is also not dating an Asian person. Tell us, Kate. So I guess, like, the questions are, like, how will you raise your children or, like, there's, like, a lot of things to unpackage there. Like, my boyfriend definitely recognizes me as a Japanese-American person, but definitely American more so than the Japanese part. But I just, I think it's, like, different for me because I always am, like, telling him stuff about, like, why things are, like, important to me or, like, how that's culturally relevant or, like, why we eat 
the things that we eat or do the things that we do. And I always make it a point to sort of like explain it to him because I want him to just like understand that about me. Like, yes, I am American first and foremost, but like being Japanese is like a huge part of who I am. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, have you ever had to explain that to Kevin ever? Well, we have. Okay. Because we have talked about um, being Asian and like dating another Asian person with Brian Ye and Lisa Wang. Shout out to Brisa. Shout out to Brisa. And the main kind of takeaway from that conversation was, oh, you never really have to like explain why you do things. Right. It's just sort of like understood between the two of you when you date another Asian person. Yeah. But, but I kind of <clears throat> take enjoyment out of, like, explaining those things to Trey. Like, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't feel like, oh, my God, he doesn't understand me and he doesn't want to. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think if it's important to you, then you should explain why. Yeah. I was wondering something similar because Kevin and I have been together for a while, too. And the sort of cultural exchange we have is probably not as maybe deliberate as it is with you and Trey Mm -hmm. and I wonder if it's because Trey isn't Asian and you are whereas Mm -hmm. Kevin and I are both Asian even though we're different Asians I wonder if there's anything about like both being Asian or both being from the same culture where the sort of differences that you have from each other are less attributed to like cultural differences and more just like individual differences it could be very possible that kevin and i come from different cultural backgrounds that um sort of inform the way that we are different from each other but i don't think we perceive it as strongly in that way as maybe someone as maybe you and trey do what do you think i mean i'm just riffing no i think (laughs) that like i mean it varies from couple to couple right because i mean the fact that this I wouldn't say maybe it bothers you, but the fact that you're thinking about it is, like, it just shows that you care, right? And mm-hmm. you want your, hopefully, maybe I'm reading into this, you want your partner to sort of care about it, right? Or, sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. hmm I think as it, like, to bring it back to, like, your question about, like, how will we raise our children? Will they have American names or, <laughs> or will they be something like Anna or Brian where it passes as Asian American? Will they learn Vietnamese? Those are all super valid, and I think it's up to you. It is up to you. You can do whatever you want. Like there's yeah. just like you have to really like choose what's important and you have to like tell your kids why. Like my mom made it was a very deliberate choice to not send me to Japanese school. Mm. She was like, "Yeah, I went. Yes, I know how to like Yes, I know how to speak Japanese. Yes, I know how to cook Japanese dishes. I do not think it is important for my children to learn the language. And in some ways, I'll always resent that a little bit because I wish that I knew a little bit more. But then if you're really interested in it as a kid, you just learn it later in life, right? Mm -hmm. And you'll, like, reconnect to it. I think it's just, like, it requires a little bit more work later on in life. And I think when you, like, look at me compared to, like, my cousins who also didn't, learn Japanese and have no desire that that is also like one of the possible outcomes and that is okay yeah but whatever you decide I feel like you'd be really great if you're if your mans were on word game too yeah instead of being like neutral about it but that's just me being a little like yeah it shouldn't be all of your problem yeah (laughs) 
I mean, Trey and I have talked about, like, oh, what languages would you want your kid to learn? Yeah. And I would just be like, you know, honestly, like, I don't think Japanese is, like, super integral to living a life in the United States. If they're interested in it, they can pursue it. Tons of people do that all the time. Yeah. Like, however, I think that, like, Japanese cultural practices and, like, traditions are definitely going to be present in my home because that's, like, part of who I am. And... I would just want that to continue if I had the opportunity to. And I asked him, like, what languages do you want your kids to learn? I also said, like, I want them to learn Spanish because majority, like, a huge portion of the world speaks Spanish. Yeah, especially here. Especially here. Exactly. Yeah. And he said, yeah, Spanish. and code. <laughs> I was just like. Encode. Ugh. Oh <laughs> Proficient languages on my LinkedIn profile. I know, right? English, parentheses, American. Spanish, code, <laughs> HTML and CSS. I thought that was so cute. I was Nerdy. like, that's, that's really smart. So if we ever have kids, they're going to have those like C++ learning apps. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I took C++ no. in college. No screens. No screens. <laughs> it's all going to be screens in the future, Kate. Damn. God, that is so scary. But yeah. I'm glad that your boyfriend doesn't see you as exotic or treat you as such. Yeah, that'd be weird. That would be weird. But he should take a little bit of interest in, like, your culture if that's important to you. Yeah, if it's important to you. If it's not, then, like, whatever. Just love each other as humans. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Lena. Thank you for writing. Really, really enjoyed that. Cool. I don't know if there's anything here. So, Grace Yao. What's up, Grace? Friend of the pod. (laughs) She was like, since you asked, uh, we asked, we asked what your favorite episode was, and Grace Yao told us which one it was. And <laughs> surprise, surprise, it's Brisa with Mad Deference. <laughs> Damn, that one is coming up on top. Yeah, of, like everyone. everyone loves that episode. Everyone loves that episode. It's great. Brian and Lisa, maybe we should just have you as like regular contributors in the field. Please come back. Please come back. Yeah, we then we get to hang out. Conversations <laughs> with you. <laughs> Oh my god. Runner-up guest, Rain No. He also is great. fantastic. Runner-up moment, the story about Harmit, which Harmit. is hysterical because, Grace, I know you went to MIT. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Grace. After reading this email, I was like, huh, I wonder if I can find Harmit. Like, Did you Google him? Well, Facebook? I looked on LinkedIn and there are a ton of harmits. What? Are they all Asian? They're all South Asian. Oh, dang. So, yes, they're all Asian. <laughs> but I was like, oh, maybe harmit's a real name. Yes. It is. is I mean, I guess. It, it was clearly Ng's friend's real name because that was literally his name. But it doesn't necessarily, it does, it's not always necessarily a portmanteau of Harvard and MIT. <laughs> I'm just going to look up Harmit name on oh, Google God. real quick. I know we're getting way off topic. No, this is great. Harmit name meaning. Oh, Harmit. Oh. Friend of God. It's a Sikh name. Oh, and it's unisex. Cool. So, Harmit. Harvard and MIT. Friend of God. Nice. What, what high expectations. I know, right? God. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Cool. Well, to TLDR is I could not find Ng's friend because I don't know. Because there was just a sea of harmits. Yeah, just lots of harmits. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Cool. Fantastic. That's the end of that story. Keep writing in. We love reading your listener letters. We read all of them because there aren't that many, so we would like (laughs) some more. Please give us an indication that you've been listening to our podcast. Yeah, we love hearing from you, especially, I don't know, I feel like some of y'all, you know, jump on my texts. Please validate us. Please validate us. <laughs> it's always super fun when it's people I don't know. So yeah. I don't know Lena Marshall. Do you? No. No, I don't. Yeah. So it's delightful. If you've never met us in person, email even us. more so, email us. Yeah. We want to hear from you. We Thank think you. you're great. Yoko, where can people follow the podcast on the internet? You can follow the podcast at S-W-A-Y-F podcast. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All of our handles are at S-W-A-Y-F podcast. Yep. Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, SoundCloud, Gmail. Yep. True. Thanks. Cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is uh, that it? <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.